1: Welcome to the Value Clarity Podcast where we talk about customer perceived value and pointing everybody in your company either at customer value or at the door. Today I am thrilled to have C. Lee Smith, the CEO, founder of Sales Fuel. Sales Fuel is a great company that empowers sales teams to sell smarter uh, through hiring smarter, prospecting better really directed uh, granular coaching and then general sales management. Lee, welcome. Good to be with you again, Mark. It's great to have you. I um, I had a great conversation with you last time and you know when we connected a, a few weeks ago in preparation for this, uh, we had some really great things to talk about and I'm really fo- trying to focus this season on customer value and um, Today's conversation seems like very meta because you coach people about you your your business is all about your customer's customer.
0: Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's really all about sales credibility and I when, in my book Sales Cred, which I have over my or my shoulder here um how how buyers qualify as sellers it's really all about value is defined not as what we think it is but it's all what the buyer thinks that it is and so we can think that we're providing great value or our or marketing department says oh this is this is very
1: valuable but it's like if they don't see it that way it's not valuable so that's right that's where we stand that's exactly right uh i harp on the fact that value only exists in your customer's mind and mm-hmm. you know if value falls in the forest and there was nobody there to see it was there any value um and finally yeah i mean if you doubt what either of us say uh have you ask if you're a viewer any ask anybody if you've ever talked to an appraiser of art or a house and somewhere mm-hmm. during the conversation with that appraiser they will say the words value is whatever a customer will pay right mm-hmm. so value must be in the customer's mind not in what we think we offer
0: that's right we can also you know if you look at the athletes' contracts, for example.
1: Oh, there's no way he's worth $5 million a
0: year. Well, you know, it was, if someone's willing to pay that in the open market. That's what he's worth. So. That's,
1: no, that's exactly right. And so, you know, I, I signed my podcast off with because sale, because value only exists in the cover, customer's mind. Uh, sales and marketing and business is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought, because it's only your success is only measurable between your customers ears.
0: Yeah, and the, the one area I think that differs from brain surgery, the brain surgery we prefer to be 100 right, 100 percent of the time, whereas in sales, you know, we, we can have a lower pattern average and still be pretty successful.
1: <laughs> so true. Thanks. So you know how do you measure value with your customers? Is there you know some yes. way that you measure that since it's in the customer's mind? How do you get in the customer's mind and uh, communicate to each other? This is this customer has this much value and this is what they value.
0: Well, so it's it's I think there's two questions in there, which is which is the value that we have to them, and, and then the value that they have to us. So I view the value. The easy question, the answer is the value they have to us. i I look at it in terms of profitability. So, yeah, it's like, are they going to be f- profitable in year one, year two of a contract, year three of a contract? If so, how much? Uh, and that's different than how a lot of salespeople look at it because they're thinking in terms of revenue and commission, and, and sales managers looking at revenue numbers and, and, and acquisition. And you know, as you know, it's like you know, we can we can attract a, a you know a very good client with high revenue, whatever, and still lose money on them. So for me, I'm, I'm definitely looking at the profitability aspect, which is, uh, you know, how can we provide them the services, the solutions that they're looking for in uh, a manner then that's not going to you know, cost us a ton of money and a lot of time. And I, and also, it's not just money. It's also the, the amount of time and energy that you have to put into it. So uh, I, look at it, I look at it that way, which is different than how the salespeople look at it. In terms of, you know, how they look at it, it's like, you know, are they motivated to solve a problem? Do they have a pain point? Uh, are they are they looking to achieve a certain goal? And you know how essential are we in, in helping them do that? you know and so that's how we look at, at the value there but you know, it starts with relevance. you know is that the information the solutions we're providing are actually relevant to them. It then goes to credibility. not only is the company credible and, and, and having uh, the expertise of solving that problem or achieving that goal, but also the salesperson themselves. You know, what is their credibility in the eyes uh, of the buyer? And is that salesperson going to be uh, part of the process that's going to help them achieve that goal or solve that solution? Or are they going to be more of a hindrance or an annoyance?
1: Wow, there is a lot in there. And, and you really articulated it well. I think of that, that value versus price thing, right? And when you're talking about profitability, I think of value versus price. We have to provide more value for our customers than it costs us to deliver, bottom line. And customers in their mind, there's one of those scales, those two pan scales. And in the right, there's your price, probably even just your price premium over the other ways they might have of of solving the problem. And in the other pan is the value premium, what they get from sales fuel, in your case, Mm -hmm. that they can't get from any of the other options, including do it yourself or read a book or one of your competitors and those two differences um are how the the price difference versus the value difference is whether they decide to do business and the credibility of you and your salesperson uh mm -hmm. changes the length on on the top of that scale the, the the horizontal bar that pivots from the pivot out to the point where the the value pan hangs that because this is all in your customer's mind. It's like an Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Everything can change. And when they don't trust your salespeople, that exact same amount of value is on a really short arm. And it can't possibly outweigh your price premium. Uh, yeah. When it's when it's really long, they trust your sales, you and your salespeople. That exact same amount of value, that exact same outcome, they believe it. And it weighs more versus that price premium.
0: You know, we had a client last year, for example, that we we generated indirectly, mind you, over $700,000 worth of new business to them. Um, they come back and tell us that they think that that's only worth $30,000 a year. And we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> and so we, we're showing them the metrics and say, okay, here, here, here was our value to you. Why do you think that we're only worth this much? And you know, so we have to have that type of an equation. So it's not just so much what our value is. Even when we can show direct or indirect impact on the bottom line, it's again, it's all in their head and what they think it is,
1: what the it's customer. frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that value only goes in the pan if it's inside the customer's head. Right. Right. If it's in your head, it's nowhere near the pan. I mean, even if it's on the balance sheet, it isn't it's in the <laughs> customer's head. you know? Yeah, uh, because they think they they earned that by themselves by being mm-hmm. um, generally pretty awesome and not. They didn't. Earn, you didn't help them earn it.
0: That, um, that that's that is the plight of the sales consultant, right? It's just like, and hey, you know this, you know this very well. So it's like, yeah. you know, that they wouldn't have gone after that particular account the way in which you and you helped them, instructed them to go after them using the research, for example, that we provided, and the insight that we provided, and and, and so you know, we definitely played a role in, in, in helping them be successful. But you know, they view that as like oh, we could have done that on
1: our, on our own. It's like, well, but you weren't doing it before I showed up. So <laughs> that's right. I, uh, I had one of my other guests um, was the founder of an engineering services firm that sold had started out selling to oilfield companies. So he would help them engineer a refinery or an oil field. Um, and there's always change orders and problems that weren't foreseen in the original design that they bid. And so he decided to keep track of the change orders. And here's the idea that the client had, and here's the idea we had that saved them this much money. And at the project wrap up meeting, he pulled out his tally sheet for how many dollars he'd saved him during the course. So it, during the course of an engagement, he actually captured it in real time, and got them to say yes, we saved that much money.
0: And yeah. it ended up it has
1: to be Yeah, it ended up being twice his engineering fee.
0: It has to be ongoing there, too. You just can't you know, wait and pull it out then at the point of negotiation for a renewal in the contract or anything like that, because then they just kind of view it as a as a negotiating employer or, or a number that's not necessarily to be believed because they know you're only pulling it out because you want to get more money out of them. So it's like it has to be something that's ongoing as part of the part of the, part of the process
1: between of servicing an account and, and helping them do well. Boy, I call that the time value of selling value. You sell your value way before they start talking about price. As soon as they've started talking about price, now your attempts to sell value are cheesy negotiating ploys. And so the time to have sold value passed as soon as your customer really starts talking about price or renewal.
0: And and over a third of new prospects, after already have spoken to their existing supplier to see if they can solve the problem, when they reach out to you, the first thing that they want to talk about is price. They've already been on the Internet. They've, they've scoured your company. They've scoured your competitors, your products and also your salespeople for that matter. And so it's like when they actually want to talk to you or or communicate with you by email or whatever, it's like the first thing they want to know is price. And that's yeah, that, that can be a, a struggle for salespeople from time to time. Yeah.
1: You know, I usually tell salespeople when it's early in the customer's buying process, what's your price? is really can i afford you or are you in the ballpark Mm -hmm. and so i i coach them to answer that question you can afford me our customers make way more money from engaging us than it costs us and so we're we're a, a value positive partner to our clients so i can promise you you will be able to afford me or if you have a budget that you want to share with me i'll tell you If we're somewhere within, because obviously we don't know what we're selling you yet. Uh, I'll tell you if if your budget is anywhere in the ballpark.
0: Yeah, because I want to make sure that we're not wasting each other's time. Yeah, I don't know who could disagree with it. Nobody has to date.
1: (laughs) So. um, You're you're talking about customers that don't recognize your value, and those are ones that are low probability of renewal, right? Mm hmm. Um, more low profitability
0: because it's like you know they're trying to use that as to get us to bend over backwards. Let's let's prove more value, prove more value to them, and everything like that. To to you know, to, to, quite frankly, to get what we're what we're worth. And so that's the kind of a, an account that you look at that and it's gonna say, yeah, you know what if we didn't keep that one or whatever, you know, our time might be better spent than uh, working with another one that, that 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 is more in our wheelhouse that is actually you know. Yeah, that's you not know, that type of person.
1: Yeah, sometimes there are some clients in the world, some customers in the world that um, are really best served by your competitors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, absolutely. So it's like uh, the pains uh, in the
0: asses, the low profitability ones or the, the, the money losing ones or whatever. Yeah, my competitors can have this all day long. <laughs>
1: that's quite, I, I call it a, a, when you, you called it pain in the ass, I call it the high PETA factor. Yeah. exactly
0: <laughs> yeah the, well, we, call, we call it the pita tax which is yeah you know, your price might be a little higher i'm not gonna i do it. the
1: exact same thing <laughs> leah so can you tell when a new customer is is heading down that uh pita path or they're not going to be a profitable customer before you've won them or at least right after you've won them
0: yeah i think that uh, sometimes that uh, we, we recognize certain buyers have as the, the philosophy of it doesn't hurt to ask and so when when they ask become very unrealistic, or when they when they, you know you, you give them an inch, they want to come back and take a mile. Uh, when it becomes that type of situation, that, that, that tells me that even after they've signed a contract, they're going to continue asking for things. And when they ask for for additional things or whatever, that comes directly off of profitability. So you know that, that that's usually a pretty good indication. You know, yeah, you can negotiate the price. That's one thing, but it's what you ask for for that money. And what you continue to ask for, time and time, and, and, or the, or if the the goalposts you know keep moving. Yeah, the nibbles. You know, that's usually yeah. That's pretty a pretty good indication to, to us. And it's like okay, this the, when the contract is signed is the highest the profitability is going to be. And so then what we have to do is that we have to hold the line as best we can while at the same point in time, providing them excellent customer service and trying to delight them as best as we can. And, you know, that's a careful balancing act that, that can you know sometimes uh, go off the rails.
1: Yeah. So do you, how hard is it and how hard do you work and, and what have you done so far to try to get that to translate into your selling efforts? So your salespeople, who are normally motivated just to get the revenue are motivated to get profitable revenue from the right customers.
0: Yeah, so one, the way in which we do it, by the way, one, one point that I, I want to, to make is like, I, we also kind of view that once contract is signed, we or even before the contract is signed, we kind of view that as a negotiation. So it's like, okay, you want this from us, here's what we want from you. So what we want from you might not necessarily be money. It might be merchandising. It might be, you know, to be able to do a case study from you, or, you know, can you connect me with, you know, five other people in this association you belong to, you know? So that's typically how, how we'll do it. As a salesperson, though, uh, again, sales people are looking at revenue, not, not uh, profitability often enough. So what we try to do is at the highly profitable uh, accounts, I let the salespeople continue to service them. Um, and they've already built up that that relationship, that credibility then with, with the buyer. It seems a shame we're to throw all that away just by by transferring them to an account manager. Yep. So the ones that are low profitability and you know, like that, they go to the they go to the account managers because I don't want to be wasting my salespeople's time on them because it doesn't because there's not much of a long-term uh, future there and the opportunity to upsell them to to additional products and services as the needs arise uh are are less likely to be there so that's typically how we'll do is that we'll allow the sales people to to build their book of business based on the high profitability
1: accounts yeah do you have any uh predictors during the sale that you know this is we're headed for trouble with this customer that turns into part of your sales process or part of your screening or you know part of your qualification process your your customer scoring and i guess the second question is is there anything from that that turns into comp plan that gets cooked into a comp plan
0: so uh, again number one thing that we we look for indicator that we look for there are the ask you know so it's 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 you know yeah because there are all kinds of tough price negotiators so so we're aware of that but it, it's not so much the price that uh, they want to pay, but it's what they want in return for that price. And so when the ask are unrealistic, or the ask you know, the demands are you know, far greater than the, the, the than the revenue that we're going to get out of them right from the very beginning, that's that's your, that's our telltale uh, indicator right off the bat.
1: Yeah, um, and so what do you do with your salespeople to kind of recognize that and 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 what kind of sales behavior change do you try to get w- with your salespeople when they see what you've trained them to see mm-hmm.
0: so inevitably what that means is that you know we have products that we provide services that we provide and here, here's the price of which you know we uh, we ask for that so that normally requires them to come back to a sales manager, or to me, sometimes even, uh, you know, with okay, here's what I, you know, what this client wants, and then uh, my response, if when they come to me, is always, what's your recommendation based on profitability? and that they usually come back with a good answer. I mean, it's rare that I have to point out that okay, they're asking for, you know, the sun, the moon and the stars and they're only willing to pay for the sky. I mean, so you know, you, you see the problem here. I mean, I I only have to have that conversation once and then they figure it out. So uh it really put the the onus on them to make a recommendation to me and, and it gets to the point where they're not going to make a really stupid uh recommendation to me because it's uncomfortable for them to be on the receiving end of hearing that from in yeah. my case the ceo or for even their, or even their sales manager
1: yeah um I, do you ever ask them really grill into the the problems the customer is trying to solve yeah, I
0: mean, uh, you know, when what, is, what is the customer
1: outcome? I, I used to work for a company, it, I'll give you the generation, the, the genesis behind this question. I worked for a company where the the universal question everybody asked everybody else on a new customer opportunity, manufacturing, engineering product, everybody, what's the value? And that question in that company was code for what's the customer's business? How are we growing their business using our stuff? What how many dollars are we affecting? And so you had to under the salespeople uh, had to understand the customer's business, had to understand how they made money and how they how we were going to help them make more of it. And if you couldn't answer that, um, a product manager would slam the phone down in your ear and say, after saying, "Don't come back. Don't talk to me until you know." I'm not even a little
0: salespeople. It's all about b- building a successful business outcome. So the, the question is really what does success look like in, in the mind of the customer? Yep. Uh, and, and then the second thing is like, okay, what metrics are they going to use to, to measure that? And, and what do those met- metrics need to indicate? And, you know, how do we have access to that? and you know, that gives us a pretty good indication about whether or not we're, we're meeting their expectations if they decide to move the goalpost, we can say wait a minute we had a conversation at the beginning of this where success was defined as this so solving the problem or, or overcoming the pain uh was defined as this this is how it was going to be measured and and now you know now we're changing it so therefore maybe we need to go back and revisit
1: everything at that yeah. point yeah i'm going to challenge you a little bit on that lee and maybe maybe i'm challenging you maybe i'm asking for uh clarification because you were saying yeah. Um, when we ask for how a customer is going to measure success, describe success and then measure success. Those are great things, but sometimes the success actually drives a bigger business outcome. Uh, I sell commercial carpet. We're going to, It wears for 20% longer than the competitor. And we are going to measure how long it wears. But the business outcome is the disruption because that carpet is underneath my 24 by 7 by 365 customer service department. And so the outcome that I'm not going to measure, but is much bigger, is reduced business disruptions. And Mm -hmm. so are you measuring, are you asking to just measure success? In what you deliver, are you? Salesperson
0: is always speaking of the benefits that are involved. Yeah. So, what you described there is a key benefit then of, of commercial carpet that lasts twenty percent longer. Assuming that they're actually in the office these days, because yeah. so, uh, that's yeah, that out, outdated be totally example. Yeah.
1: yeah, outdated yeah. example. So, sorry.
0: Of course, the salesperson is is always going to be be doing that. But it's also then if when the customer comes back and say, I define success as this, then, then it's the salesperson's job to come back and say, well, what about this? Have you considered this? Have you considered that? Have you considered the impact, as you said, on on the customer service team and then what the cost involved of having to move them temporarily then to another part of the office for X number of weeks? You know, what's that cost? And that's the salesperson's job is to get them to be thinking in that direction. Uh, And and of course, then that redefines in what what the metrics are. If if, and some things can't be measured. Uh, So then it's just a matter of, you know, it, it becomes a bonus. But it's like that's uh, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. That's what we always say in in, in management. Obviously, you know that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we we have to ask that question, and then our ability then to to achieve that then. Uh, it makes it real easy for us then to, to go back to renewal. So I'll go back to the uh, to the one client that I, that I mentioned then that uh, with the $700,000 up and everything like that. And quite frankly, it was, you know, where we went wrong in the sales process there is that we didn't ask them for the metrics for how they were going to define success. So if they're looking for a five to one return on investment or 10 to one return on investment, then it's like, well, you know, we surpassed that in the first month. So uh, but we didn't. And so by not doing that, then that's where you get into difficulty with, uh, you know, what they're willing to pay based on you know, what they think your value is.
1: Yeah. You know, um, and I, I ask that yeah, that pushback question, because in my experience with B2B salespeople, maybe 10 percent of them go beyond the measurable measures of success to the customer's measurable business outcome. It's very rare, and it sounds like you've got uh, higher than average uh, you, you've got a lot of salespeople that actually do that. And it could be because of the nature of, of what you sell. you you have to be able to justify it in, in a business. I mean,
0: we've life. had clients, we've had several clients for more than 20 years here. I mean and there's a reason for that. So the fact that we take a very customer centric approach uh, to the services that we provide and the products that we provide, and of course and that, that certainly starts right off the bat, you know, with the initial relationship building. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the other thing too, these days, it's like we also have to take a look at you know, does the client, it, it, are they turning over personnel, you know, on a very, uh, very high velocity. And if that's the case, then it's like, well, we'll, we'll do a great job for somebody like they we'll have a great relationship. We'll have define what those, what those metrics are. And then they're gone, you know, in nine months. Or eighteen months or something like that, yeah. You know, we we you know we have to really start all over again from a credibility standpoint. So if we're constantly having to start all over again because uh, you know, our, our primary business contexts are they are constantly changing. Uh, that makes that particular account a little less profitable and only, and only becomes profitable if and when uh, that person leaves, goes to another company and takes us with them, which is quite frankly for us at Sales Shield, uh, that is our number one form of marketing.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's where we get most of
0: our really good leads. So, yeah. uh, but you know, it's like that kind of turnover then uh, can be very frustrated.
1: Yeah, it can. I um, In my account management uh, courses, I I really harp on, developing um, a farm team within that kind of account so that you expect that per your primary contact to leave and you develop who's my farm team who's likely to backfill when they leave and how do I build that relationship with them in anticipation so that those transitions are smoother or at least we know that as soon as they leave this the person who's likely to backfill is going to replace us because he's got somebody else that he's loves um, so, so that you know what's coming down the pipe.
0: For us, we we also incur, we also want everybody to focus on the stakeholders. Uh, so, who are the end users there? And so that, therefore, uh, if we've made those contacts, we're inside their head. We we know what's going to make them happy. How they're going to use our product or service then to achieve that goal, solve that problem. Uh, the more stakeholders that that we can get to know uh, you know, then say that, that also insulates us then from, from changes at the buyer level.
1: Yeah. Now I have experienced in my life over the last 20, 30, let's not name the number of years, uh, mm. is that the number of stakeholders at my customers has grown, not because what yes. I sell has gotten more complex, but because the buying organization has gotten more complex. Marketing is now three different departments. There's Marcom, you know, technical marketing and there's there's three silos within what was formerly the marketing look at the
0: sales process for salespeople these days i mean it's like it's sort of like major league baseball where you used to to have a starter then you'd have a reliever but now you've got to have a middle reliever you gotta have you gotta have a closer you gotta have a left-handed pitcher you gotta have a strikeout specialist it's like it's, it's crazy yeah but it's like it's been the same way even in the sales industry
1: yeah and so both on the customer and the selling side we have compartmentalized the customer-vendor relationship. And some CEOs do what they, we did 20 years ago when there was only five people touching the customer, We, and two of which had sales roles. We told the other three, just you know, do your job, come back to the office, stay in your lane, don't have a business conversation, don't understand the customer's business. That's the sales job. And now there's maybe three or four salespeople out of 15 that touch the customer and we're still selling the other 12 stay in your lane, do your job, don't have a business conversation, come back to the office. Sales is a minority shareholder now in the customer relationship. And we've boiled the, the frog by treating, by, by treating everybody who touches the customer with stay in your lane, come back to the office. And those 12 have more credibility with the customer than sales will ever have have relationships with contacts that sales will never achieve Mm -hmm. and so we're leaving a lot of value on the table by not allowing everybody in our company to have a business conversation about expected outcomes agree absolutely
0: because i mean how can we expect them to, to to be successful in the letting the customer helping them achieve the goal if they don't know anything about their business, what the goal is, who the players involved are, who the stakeholders are, and how they're personally impacted by the products and services that we're providing. If they don't know that, they can't possibly do their job well these days.
1: That's right. And so how do you make sure that everybody at SalesFuel who contacts the customer um, stays attuned to customer outcomes? You
0: know the, the central points of con- central points of communication. Of course, there's a CR- CRM, but not everybody has access to the, to the CRM necessarily. Uh, so then we it's just a simple matter of, of, of where we have channels, whether it be in Teams or Slack or anything like that, or however you choose to do it, where we get customer feedback or we have a, we have a channel then for. our for our top customers and uh you know where we share information and interaction then and, you know, and feedback that we get from them so that everybody whether it be in client success or in training or in sales or in marketing or lead gen uh you know or, or operations or even in IT for that matter, then it's like, you know, the, the business office for crying out loud, uh, they have all they all have access to that information so that, uh, you know, it's not just what's in the CRM that the sales management sees and the salesperson sees, but it's like it's its everybody that has
1: a potential to come in contact with that customer. Everybody is a sensory organ for your organization, and everybody needs to bring their insights back to the hive. Hmm. Uh, so, Lee, what a great conversation. What have we not covered that you want to make sure we get at?
0: I, I think that again, I'll go back to, you know, we 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 spent a lot of time even on this conversation talking about, you know, how we perceive the buyer and how we qualify the buyer. And as important as that is, you know, because it's you know personal to us as salespeople, uh, it's not nearly as important as how the buyer perceives us and and, and how they qualify us as sellers. So how they qualify our, uh, our company, how they qualify our product, but also how they qualify us that as a salesperson, that's actually going to be someone who they're going to want to do business with. And likewise, it's like, you know, they're looking at us with, with, through the PETA lens as well. You know, and if we're pushy or we're rude to, this, you know, to, to their people or, you know, we, we're job hoppers, you know, and, and we're moving around every 18 months or something like that, uh, they're looking at us through the same lens. And so that determines whether or not we get our phone calls returned, our emails responded to, or whether, whether or not we get invited to compete for the business so you know i just caution everybody to think in terms of sales credibility is that as important as it is for us to qualify them they're also qualifying us and they're qualifying us first before we even get before we even get the opportunity to talk to them even know they're interested you know in our product or service so uh that that has to always be top of mind among today's salespeople.
1: yeah and and everybody lee is an expert on that kind of credibility and sales fuel is uh, a great partner to help make sure that your customers are qualifying you the way you want them to lee thanks for a great conversation how can people get a hold of you
0: well you can reach me at seeleesmith.com uh, uh you know i also I, I speak at conferences sales meetings pool parties bar mitzvahs you name it uh but then uh, also my company is salesfield.com and, uh, you know, we've got a great solution then for sales micro coaching uh, and, and two minutes or less for developing your sales team called CoachFeed It's a coachfeed.com also for hiring great salespeople, uh, you know, who can have these kinds of conversations w- with your accounts and prospects. That's at sales Fuel Hire. So, by all means, and of course, the book Sales Cred, you know, go to Amazon or wherever you buy your books. We have it in the audiobook, audiobook uh, as well as our Hire Smarter Sell More book that, that, I, that I wrote uh, pr- prior to that. So.
1: Lots of great ways. Reach out on social media. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. Great. And Lee, thank you. See Lee Smith, everybody. Uh, And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where, as I hinted, value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that selling and marketing is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane And
0: if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues Cause
1: you'll be singing those old don't know value blues